Well, good morning. Good to, good to see you this morning. A couple of things before we uh, open God's word that I want to just personally bring to you. Uh, ask that they not be in the announcements because I wanted to talk about them. Um, one is, as those of you who have been with us know, um, Andrew and Amy are transitioning from grace. God has led them. Andrew has led our student ministries just faithfully and well for the past 21 years. And we've had this wonderful privilege of just the, the constancy and the consistency of their love and leadership. And today, of course, we're having a celebration of sorts, and so the picnic is in Andrew and Amy's honor afterwards, so we, we hope you'll stick around and join us. But one of the things that we are doing, and you, you can take a look at it later, we have put together this lovely, you can see it's a ceramic wall hanging, and it's got a variety of pictures that are just memories of Andrew and Amy, and you can write on this. And so it's gonna be available outside uh, today at the picnic where you can come and write a personal note if you'd like. Um, obviously, write small, you know, it'll, it'll go fast, but this will also be in the auditorium here for the next three weeks. And so we want everyone to have a night. We know that people come and go. A lot of people are away today. A lot of people sick. So for the next three or four weeks, it'll be available to you where you can sign something and then we'll, we'll present it to Andrew and Amy a, a little bit later. But a great way for us just to say thank you, uh, among other things. The other thing that I'd like to mention to you is last week I shared with you that we have been for some time now, uh, a better part of a year, uh, on the search for a, a new pastor of worship and creative arts. And God has led us a number of people, so we're going to be doing something very unique and creative. Um, all three of them are coming in on different weeks. And some of you have asked me, are they aware of this? Are they aware of the fact that you're looking at all of them? And yes, they are. They're all aware of what's going on, no surprises. They're all glad participants in it. So beginning next week, the next two weeks, we'll have guest worship leadership. And next week, Ben Toller and his family will be with us, and then we will kind of move through this. We'll take a break for Thanksgiving, and the third person will come in the first week in December. And we're just hoping, trusting God, that by the end of this year, uh, his leadership, his direction might be very evident you know, to us as far as uh, this next season of, of leadership for us. So be praying about that. Um, I could tongue in cheek say, be on your good behavior. You know, uh, worship, worship well. Uh, uh, be responsive to folks as they, uh, you can imagine if you're a, a stranger stepping in, being asked to lead worship, and you know that you're being evaluated. It's a somewhat anxious thing. And so we, we don't want that for them. We want this just to be a peaceful environment where we and they can get to know one another and discover one another. So be praying about that. All right, Sabbath. For those of you who have been with us, you are aware of the fact that we've been talking about Sabbath uh, for the past six weeks, actually. And just to catch you up, for those of you who have not been with us, just to give you context, um, we began by spending four weeks taking a real good look at what the scriptures teach about Sabbath. Uh, we, we don't want to enter into any practices that are not deeply rooted and anchored to the scriptures. 
And so we took a look at the Old Testament. We took a look at the Gospels. We took a look at the New Testament. And we, we kind of wrestled with all the themes that are a part of Sabbath and why Sabbath and Sabbath practice is still a meaningful expression for you and me today. And then a few weeks ago, we pivoted. And we began talking about, in very practical ways, what Sabbath might look like for us in our lives. And, and to make this as kind of simple as possible, we've been defining Sabbath around four practices. Uh, the first two practices we've looked at, the practice of stopping. And we describe stopping as the need we all have to pause from all the necessary responsibilities and pressures that occupy everyday lives. And whatever's necessary, we stop. To notice God, to notice one another, to notice our lives, we just stop. Uh, the second practice we talked about was resting. Uh, the need we have for uh, a rhythm of rest and recovery between our work and, and resting and, and the importance of finding uh, rhythms of rest in our lives. Now, one of the fun questions I've been having week after week after week is how many of you are coming up to me and here's your question or your statement to me. Gary, just tell me what to do. <laughs> and, um, and we're not doing that. We're giving you some broad parameters because if you remember, one of the things that Paul talked about when he talked about the Sabbath, he said, let no one act as your judge with regard to Sabbath. There's no right way to do this. There's going to be very unique, very personal ways that you and I apply the Sabbath. And so as much as it's a head scratcher for you and going to require some creativity and some energy, um, each of us are, are going to be up to taking these ideas, these practices, and finding meaningful expression in our unique families, our situations, because all of your situations are different. Now, the other thing I've been hearing a lot about from many of you is, is what in the world do we do with this when we have young kids running around? How do we do this? You know, life, I just can't shut down my life for a day with my kids and my kiddos and, and all the things that are going on. And that's a, real, that's, a real, that's a real thing, isn't it? So I want to recommend a book to you. I've held off for the last couple of weeks, but um, I've read most of it. Now I've looked at it. It's an excellent book. It's called Sabbath in the Suburbs. And this is for parents. It's called Sabbath in the Suburbs. And the, the byline is a family's experiment with holy time. And uh, what, she, what she does is she goes through every month of the year and you just track with the family. I think she has four children. And she just talks about how they, in the uniqueness of the rhythm of each month, school, sports, all their activities have found creative ways of weaving Sabbath into the life of their family. Sabbath in the suburbs. Marianne Dana. I'll talk about it again next week, but highly recommend it to you. So... Stopping and resting. Now, those two practices, stopping and resting, are the practices that we commonly associate with Sabbath. Uh, if, if I had talked to you six weeks ago before we started talking about Sabbath and I said, what Sabbath mean? You'd likely say stopping, resting, taking a break. Those, things, those are, we commonly associate that with Sabbath. These next two practices are not so familiar in the way we think about Sabbath. And so I want to introduce some things and have some conversation around some things. And the first one, or the one we're going to talk about next week is embracing. Today we're going to talk about feasting. 
And I want to kind of wrestle with an idea because I think there is a, a subtle misconception about Sabbath practice that we need to remove to fully embrace Sabbath. And here, here's the misconception, that Sabbath is a somber, serious practice. And it's only about stillness, silence, and solitude. And, and there's this, this image that we have um, that Sabbath is only this kind of chill, quiet, silent day. And we stop all of our activity that steals so much from our souls to, to rest, uh, to attend and care for our souls, to spend needed time with God, and just to have the time and the space to be alone. Now, these things will all need to find ways into our Sabbath, of course, stillness and silence and solitude, but Sabbath is much more vibrant than that. I want to give you a, a phrase I'm going to put up on the screen. Sabbath brings us home to our lives as they have been given to us by God and invites us to more fully inhabit thanksgiving and joy with our family and friends. I want you to just look at that for a moment. Sabbath is bringing us home to our lives as they've been given to us. And what Sabbath is inviting us is to fully inhabit lives of thanksgiving and joy with our family and friends. We're gonna come kind of play around with that. So, but where I'd like to begin to kind of set up a, the few thoughts I have, I want us to read a psalm together. And it's, it's Psalm 100, and you'll see it on the screen uh, behind me. So would you just read this with me? Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. That is gonna be a theme that I wanna weave through my, my thoughts this morning. Some of you are familiar with the name G.K. Chesterton. He said this about Thanksgiving. I would maintain that giving thanks is the highest form of thought and that gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. Thanksgiving is the highest form of thought and gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. You know, I, I, I truly believe that most followers of Christ are genuinely thankful people. Um, I think you are just genuinely thankful people. But the expression of our thanks gets easily swallowed up and suffocated by our everyday lives, doesn't it? What is most true about us often doesn't find the freedom of expression because life just seems to steal it from us. Um, and we get it. 
Most of our days, uh, we're on such tight schedules, we find ourselves rushing to and from work or getting kids to and from school. We're running here, there, and everywhere to give our kids every opportunity. Uh, We think they need to have a full life. We're squeezing in all the normal stuff of of being human, medical appointments and haircuts and groceries and exercise and caring for our home, uh, even our personal time with God. It's all just being squeezed in and, and finding time on top of that, trying to find time to be with good friends in our small group communities with spiritual friends and, and then serving in places we feel called to serve and loving our neighbors well. We start to feel squeezed. And so even if you happen to be a person who sets aside a Sabbath, by the time we arrive to Sabbath, we're so exhausted, <laughs> it's really hard to enjoy it. And we find ourselves just fatigued. We feel overwhelmed and exhausted by the pace of our lives and everything that's on our plate. Sound familiar? It's where we live. And and that that reality just kind of squeezes the expression of thanksgiving out of us because what's on the surface is all the stuff. Well, here's where Sabbath offers you and I a special gift. Sabbath affords us the time and the place for gratitude. See, the stopping and the resting resting, uh, opens up the door. And if we can accept, and kind of hang with me for a moment, because I don't know that the nature of life and work and family and kids and reality, tiredness is just part of the deal. But if we can accept our tiredness without guilt and let our weariness be what it is, here's what begins to happen. We we embrace, we'll talk about that next week, when we embrace our life for what it is and, and we allow some needed rest to come into our lives, gratitude begins to seep up from our being in a natural way. It's not a forced thing. It's very natural. It's, it's, it's like an underground spring that's watering the earth. And the, the mystery and the beauty of resting is it allows gratitude to breathe. It allows thanksgiving to emerge. And as God intended rest soaks in, the tender sprouts of gratitude kind of poke their way up through the stresses of our lives and we experience thanksgiving for all of God's good gifts that we've taken for granted all week long. See, that's the beauty of just pausing and we're beginning to allow gratitude. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, uh, there was a rich routine with all the Old Testament feasts and Passovers. And, and celebrations and festivals. Uh, I made a list. There was Pesach, the Passover. That was kind of the foundational feast. And the Feast of Unleavened Bread, it lasted for seven days. First Fruits, which was the beginning of harvest. And Shavuot, or Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks. And Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets. And Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Sukkor, the Feast of Tabernacles and Purim. And most of these feasts and festivals were woven into the yearly calendar of the Jewish people. Much like we weave in Thanksgiving or Advent 
or Lent into the rhythm of our lives. But here's what was significant. Each feast celebrated a cherished place in Jewish history. It marked something. And, and what the feast did for the Jewish people was it created an intentional stopping and an intentional uh, and, and routine pause from everyday life to remember and be thankful. And so God had just hardwired it into the rhythm of Jewish life and, and the routine of Jewish life. And, and then he gave us a unique weekly gift called the Sabbath. And the Sabbath is a routine pause to remember and be thankful. And, and what Sabbath does for you and me is it creates a weekly rhythm to celebrate God's goodness, generosity, and faithfulness. Now, of course, we should look for that kind of generosity and gratitude every day of our lives, but life just gets going, doesn't it? And, and so it's good to have a, the rhythm of a week that we know on, on Sabbath, we're going to pause and be grateful. And when practiced consistently, and here's the beauty, when practiced consistently, gratitude morphs into joy. Um, those of you who know me, I'm, I'm a pretty melancholy person. Um, joy isn't a natural part of Gary. And I've uh, been, been praying that I just be a, a more joyful person. And, and we've been practicing Sabbath for about five years now. And, and, and what I've observed is that as I consistently just live in greater gratitude, there's a peacefulness and joy begins to emerge more deeply as we engage God's good gifts from a more rested place. And we celebrate uh, the simple things that we take for granted. There's a wonderful passage in James that some of you will remember. James says, every good and perfect gift is from above. You ever thought about that? Every good and perfect gift in each of our lives is a gift from God's hand. It's a gift from God. And it comes down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like sifting shadows. Isn't that a wonderful word? Our life is changing all around us all the time and, and, and it's changing at a pace that we have a hard time keeping up with and yet God is sending into our life good gifts and he doesn't change. And he's bringing things and all, all he wants for us is to pause and, and pay attention. Um, in, her, in her wonderful book, Why Not Celebrate, uh, Sarah Winger Schenk beautifully captures the place of celebration in our lives. She writes this, so, so how do we celebrate peoplehood? How do we celebrate God's good earth? I love this next question. How do our children develop a sense of identity that runs deeper than the latest fads? How do we give them a heritage with firmer roots than the current peer group? These are the questions that go to the heart of what celebration is about. Celebration is the honoring of that which we hold most dear. Celebration is delighting in that which tells us who we are. Celebration is taking the time to cherish each other 
Celebration is returning with open arms and thankful hearts to our maker. Now, while celebration is certainly not limited to Sabbath, Sabbath presents a weekly rhythm for noticing God's good gifts to us. All kinds of gifts. As simple as savoring a good cup of coffee or a favorite meal or a walk or if you're weary, taking a nap. And to see those things as God's good gifts to you. Uh, the gift of creation. Um, I, I enjoy sitting on our porch in the early morning, uh, listening to the birds and watching as light emerges and the restfulness of the late afternoon sun and just the beauty of, of, of creation and God's design. And uh, one, of my, one of my current little Sabbath pleasures is reading uh, Sabbath poems by the author Wendell Berry. Uh, some of you have heard me uh, refer to Wendell before, and uh, Wendell wrote about cherishing people in place, not longing for more or different, but just the boundaries of where God has placed you and learning to live rich, richly and deeply uh, in that place. And his collection of poems for 2014 and 2015 uh, is called A Small Porch. And he talks about a small porch from which we can see our local place as a guide for our souls. Let me read this one portion to you. The watcher comes. The watcher is you and me. The watcher comes knowing the small knowledge of his life in this body, in this place, in this world. He comes to a place of rest where he cannot mistake himself as larger than he is. Isn't that a great line? The place of the gray flycatcher and the yellow butterfly and the green dragonfly, the white violet, the columbine, where he cannot make himself or he cannot mistake himself as more graced or more graceful than he is. See, the good gift of creation just reminds us of our place in the world and kind of strips away the grandiosity of it all and reminds us that this wonderfully creative God has, has been doing things in marvelous ways and yes, we're a part of it, but we're just a part of it. And we're drawn into the majesty of God. Um, other things that we are thankful for are the special moments and seasons with our family. We, we pay attention to close friendships. Who are the people who love us and care for us? Are we naming them and thanking God for them? We're, we're noticing God's presence in our lives, those instances over the past week where we have seen and experienced God's goodness and his provision the kindness a friend has displayed to us during the week in dropping something by the house or dropping a note or taking us out for coffee. See, and we're celebrating and, 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 and we're even celebrating God's presence with us in the midst of our struggles and sufferings. 
You see, we need not wait until our struggles and suffering have ended to thank God and to celebrate God's presence. Sabbath deepens gratitude. Sabbath gratitude deepens our dependence upon God. It's interesting when you study Jewish history and the Jewish practice of Sabbath, some of the most moving stories of the Jewish people keeping Sabbath were the Sabbaths they kept in the midst of their suffering. They kept Sabbath in times of famine. They kept Sabbath in seasons of drought. They kept Sabbath in Warsaw's ghettos and Hitler's death camps and Stalin's gulags. Uh, Rabbis, even to this day, are fond of saying, more than Israel ever kept the Sabbath, the Sabbath kept Israel. It brought them home. It reminded them of who they are and who they're trusting and who they're depending upon. And they're keeping Sabbath in times of abundance and peace and prosperity prepared them for keeping Sabbath in times of scarcity, struggle, and suffering. Uh, Sabbath nurtures a deep and hidden strength that becomes visible in seasons of suffering. Uh, Some of you are familiar with the author Dan Allender. In his book, Redeeming Heartache, uh, Dan writes about the power of intentional moments of celebration during seasons of difficulty. Building and creating iconic reminders of the mystery of God's rescue throughout our homes, especially through objects of delight. As you plan your next gathering, you need only be aware that you are not merely entertaining your guests and offering good food. You are celebrating flourishing. And we can say, The will of God is done when we can live the invitation, and I love this next phrase, we can live the invitation to mourn, lament together, and yet sing, dance, and drink to the life we share for all that was shared with us by God, Lachayim. We we gather in Sabbath, and we're marking the, 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 the entire, we're coming home to, to our lives in their fullness with, with all of its joys and pleasures, but we're lamenting and mourning the losses and the stuff, suffering and the struggle. That's Sabbath feasting. You see, on Sabbath, we're creating and living our iconic moments of gratitude. Ever thought about that? In each of your stories, in each of our stories, and you go through uh, the course of a week, there are these moments of where God is showing up. And when you pause and you notice them, uh, they they become, there's an iconic character to it. And and you're marking just the, the, the uniqueness and the mystery and the miracle of God's presence. And it's one of the reasons that Sabbath is, is often best experienced in community. Remember earlier I said one of the myths about Sabbath is it something we do in solitude? 
Um, Sabbath is, is intended to be experienced in community, a gathering and celebrating with good food and good drinks and good music and good friends. A sharing life together with people we love and, and laughing together, lamenting together. Uh, Vern and I have been practicing Sabbath for four or five years now. And for us, Saturday works best. And we've set aside our Saturdays. And um, one of the things that we've been dreaming about as we look at our Sabbath practices and, and what we would love to see in our practice for the next season of our lives is, as we've been paying attention during this series is uh, we're wanting to add a new component to our Sabbath practice. On Friday evenings, we're going to begin inviting a couple of individuals to join us for a dinner. Um, it's going to be a Sabbath celebration. And there'll be a special meal, a beautifully set table. You all know Verna. And we will set a table. We'll have a special meal. We'll have candles. And over dinner, we'll share together where we've seen God's goodness over the past week. And we'll, we'll offer simple prayers of thanksgiving and blessing. And, and, and entering into Sabbath in community with good friends and sharing life. And I, I thought, how sweet would it be if a tradition like that caught on at Grace Church? That in some rhythm of your life, you began inviting people into your home. And it was like a Sabbath-like gathering. And it was marked by pausing to take time to say, let's, let's notice God's goodness over the last week. And let's just thank God for it. And then let's bless each other. Let's just speak words of blessing into each other's lives. How, how, how sweet would that be? If that emerged and began to bubble up as part of the identity of who we are as a people. And, and I would encourage those of you in small groups of any kind or life groups or individual groups, uh, talk about what it would look like for you in community to gather around a meal and build times for thanking God for his presence in your life. Sabbath practices into your small group experiences. I noticed a couple of weeks ago, I was reading in my, my normal time of reading, I was in the book of Isaiah, and I, I read a verse as many times as I've read Isaiah 58. I, I read a couple of verses that I had never noticed before. Ever had that happen to you? You're so familiar with the scriptures, and then you, you read it and go, oh, oh, I hadn't seen that before. And interestingly enough, it was about Sabbath. And it extends a, a wonderful promise to us. Here's how Isaiah 58 ends. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's day, the Lord's holy day is honorable, and if you honor it by not giving uh, not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, and here's what I've never seen before. Then you will find joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and feast on the inheritance of your fathers. Isn't that a rich promise? As we, as we find a way 
to order our lives around these iconic moments of giving thanks when gratitude begins to emerge, we find joy in the Lord. And we experience just the the, the, the greatness of all the inheritance we have in Christ and, and all of God's good gifts to us. Feasting. And so this Sabbath is just this wonderful invitation to iconic moments of gratitude. So I want you to reflect upon that. Well, we're going to transition. Actually, it's a good transition into the Lord's table. And I was thinking last night as I was kind of finalizing my thoughts for the day, the Lord's table for a community of believers is actually a Sabbath-like practice. It's one of those purposeful and regular pauses for us to remember and be thankful. We're celebrating Jesus' death until he returns. And in far becoming a, an empty ritual or routine, the routineness of, of the stopping to pause and thank God over time deepens something in our soul. It deepens something in our bones as we just are rooted in, in gratitude for all that Jesus has done for us. It's interesting when you look back at the story of the early church, the early church practiced the Lord table around a shared meal. I'm not sure when it happened, but we eventually pivoted to doing it kind of like this. But in its early day, it was, it was practiced around a shared meal that was just festive. It was like a party where we gathered and enjoyed laughter and good food and good friends and, and celebrating God's goodness to us. And in a small way, uh, we're trying to capture some of that through our monthly lunch on the lawns after the service. But on the Lord's Day, we're going to gather for a meal every month and just enjoy our friendships. So, as our invitation to the Lord's table this morning, I want to return where we started. And I'd like us to read together Psalm 100. Join me. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So enter his gates. So we're going to invite you to come to the table. For those of you who are new to Grace or visiting with Grace, I want you to be able to relax and enjoy the experience. We have you come to the table. And your movement is simply a simple gesture of saying, I'm affirming my love for Jesus. It's a simple gesture. Um, And we ask you to come down these two aisles here. You'll kind of form lines We'll have servers here, and then you'll kind of peel back around the auditorium. Obviously, we're a small room, and we have to manage the room. 
And so you'll just come forward. There'll be a couple of folks here to serve you. And you just move to whichever one is available, and we'll, we'll delight in serving you. So for those who are serving, if you'll come and, and, and join us, we'll get ready to serve the table together. And we do have gluten-free available if you need it, but you'll need to ask for it and let us know, one of the servers, and we'll be happy to get it to you, so.
stand together as we prepare to go out and sing a song of celebration to the one who called us.
Thank you, Lord, that you've made a way for us. God, that your love has crashed in to earth and onto earth and into our hearts. So, Father, we notice you today, and we are thankful. Thank you for your body and your blood. Thank you for your family, this church, this place. We love you. Amen. Can we close with our benediction? Can we join hands across aisles and... We used to do this when I was young in church, and I, I know it's kind of awkward, but we are one as we leave this place. You're not alone. God is with you. His power is with you, and we have a body of believers that are together to, uh, to win the world for Jesus, right? And that comes out of Ephesians 3. We're going to read as our benediction. Um, if you would just close your eyes, I'm actually going to read it over us, Ephesians 3. I pray 
that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all of God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ through it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And through all that, now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever ask or think. Glory to him in Grace Church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's go do it. Amen.